for those of you that are listening on podcast or maybe watching on YouTube, this is the start of our summer series called Playlist, where we're choosing a song and saying, uh, kind of using that to be a launch pad for what we believe God wants to say to us through that. And the song that I've chosen is a song by a band called Mercy Me, and it's the song called Dear Younger Me. And the idea is that what would you say to the younger you? What would you say to the younger version of you? Because you see, aging is inevitable, but maturity is optional. And one of the things I discovered while I was studying this is that we as a culture, okay, especially in the Western world, the, the States and, and Europe, we, we longed for maturity. We aspired for maturity until about 1920. Because in the 1920s, there was such a big sociological shift after the First World War. Women started dyeing their hair. Because they associated hair changing colour with getting old and all of a sudden we didn't want to get old. So that's been the shift between now we associate getting old with maturity. So we don't kind of want maturity so much because we think it's about getting old. I've got news for you. We're all going to get old. No matter what kind of hair colour we use or don't use, we're all getting old. Isn't that right? Ageing is inevitable, but maturity is optional. Just because you get old doesn't mean that you necessarily get more mature. <coughs> I wouldn't it be amazing if as a culture we aspired and longed for maturity again. So as we get older, we're learning and growing as human beings and as people. And if you're a Christian today, as a follower of God, and so we can be mature as we get older. The Bible puts it this way in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11. Well-known words from the end of a passage that we often hear at weddings where Paul said this, When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. Because that was appropriate. Because I was a child, that's how children do it. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. The reality is, as we grow up, we should put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. How many of you see everything with perfect clarity? It's not there, is it? Because it's a journey, because we're all in the process of maturing. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope and love. And the greatest of these is love. Yesterday, this place was full of around 300 people, the majority of whom were Indian. We had an Indian wedding here yesterday. There's a couple in the church, Mehul and Miriam, part of this church, and they got married here on this stage yesterday. It was amazing. And they and their immediate family are Christian, but most of their extended family are Hindu and Sikh. So this was full of people from other faiths and of no faith and a few from the Christian faith. It was incredible to see God honoured and Jesus central in that. And then I was invited and some of us were invited to the reception, which was, and some of you have seen some of the very embarrassing that Yes, I know, I know. All right, okay, you have to go. And so I went to kind of a Bollywood type wedding reception last night. What's very interesting to me, and if you ever go to Albania, it's similar in Albania. These are more collectivist cultures. And in a collectivist culture, you tell stories to one another. You sing songs to one another. It's really interesting when you go to a wedding like this. It's not, oh, this is young youth music, don't like this. This is older music. It's just music. And whether you're teenagers, kids, middle-aged or adults, you're all on the dance floor. and you're Because there's a collectivist culture, it's not about I, it's about we. It's not about me, it's about we. 
It's not about I, it's about us. And there's a collectivist culture. And the thing is, the Jewish culture, which is where we get the Bible from, was a collectivist culture as well. And they told the story of God and the story of their lives through story and through song. And that's what they did. And they passed on truths to the next generation through the songs and through the stories. And so there's something really ancient about what we're doing by taking a song and trying to pass something on through it. So this song, Dear Younger Me, the, the lyrics in the song say, Dear Younger Me, what would I say, and I'll talk about the lyrics in a minute, to the younger version of me. So I thought I'd have a little bit of fun with you this morning, basically because I can't stop people out there posting really embarrassing old photographs of me on social media. So I thought, if I can't beat them, why don't I join them? So what would I say to the younger me? The first thing I say is, you are an incredibly chubby and cute baby, were you not? Come on. That's an incredibly cute and chubby baby. I'd also say to my parents, what were you thinking taking me to the barbers? Okay, what on earth is that haircut? Now listen, I'm at primary school here, but when I go to secondary school, it don't get much better. And then by the time I'm about to leave secondary school and get my first girlfriend who does become my wife, and I don't know how I did it, I've got that kind of haircut. I mean, what is going on? But there was, there was a moment I'd say to the younger me, you were so close getting in for your audition for Baywatch. You really were. I mean, how cool is that? Come on, come on. That is cool, isn't it? <laughs> and I, and then maybe I'd say to the younger me, do you know what? You and your mates you were never going to make it as a rock band. I mean, here we are on our album cover, kind of Peter. That is Andy Shepherd who was on drums this morning. And that is Martin Jackson who was on bass guitar this morning, okay? I think I'd also say to the younger me, there was a time when you did have genuine hair. Genuine hair. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that, that is a, that's a proper mullet, that is, isn't it? Turned under at the back with a hairdryer and comes all the whole lot there. But actually, just as I used to have hair, two gentlemen that helped lead you in worship this morning, they also used to have hair. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Martin Jackson with the Kevin Keegan, and I'm not really sure what that was from Lee. <laughs> not really sure what that was. <laughs> I, I don't, there's, a big, there's a big hair theme going on here in my past. I should have listened. I'd say to the younger man, you should have listened to your wife who told you never ever bleach your hair because that's what I did uh, and bleached my hair. Uh, when I was at Spring Harvest, which is a Christian festival, and as we came back and I was in this church, I remember being next door and, and I got up on stage to do the notices or to say hello at the start of the service and my hair was bleached blonde and I didn't say a word, just carried on talking normal and everyone was like, and our youngest son, Simeon, was about three at the time. And when I went home into the house like that, he just looked at me and burst into tears, which I, which I don't mean. But I would say to the younger me, do you know what? On your big day, you scrubbed up okay, I reckon. There's me and my wife. I know. All that's out of the way. So what would I really say to the younger me? Okay, that's just a bit of fun. What would I really say to the younger me? Five things that I want to throw out at you this morning. And if any of this resonates with you, then I hope you take it with you. First thing I'd say to the younger me, enjoy the small things, but prioritise the big. I'm the kind of person that the way I'm wired is I'm futuristic, I'm strategic, I'm activity oriented all of my life I'm just like what's the next thing and I walk past so many things I find it really hard to enjoy the moment and I'd say to the younger me Leon slow down enjoy the fun stuff more enjoy the unproductive moments enjoy the moments of life there's a story in the Bible where Jesus um, is confronted with a blind man and, and in order to heal him he spits 
um, and he spits and puts the spit in the guy's eyes and, and he says, now what do you see? And he says, well, I see some men, but they look like trees. And then, he has to, and then Jesus prays for him again until he sees the men clearly. And, and that spoke to me years ago because I can be like that. I can, I can sometimes be so focused on where I'm going that I miss people or, they, or people look like trees, look like background to me. You see, people are the centerpiece of God's creation. Enjoy the small things, enjoy the relationships, enjoy the meals. But in the enjoying of the small things, prioritise the big. Because just as much as for me, my ten, um, pressure or, or my challenge as a person growing up was, was I don't often enjoy the small things. For many other people, they fill their whole lives with small things, but they don't ever think about the big things. So enjoy the small, but prioritise the big. Some of you will know that old illustration of where you've got a big jar and you've got rocks and pebbles and sand and you have to put all of it in the jar. And the only way you can fit it all in the jar is put the big rocks in first. When you put the big rocks in your life first, then you can put pebbles and then you can put sand. But when you try and fill it up with sand, then you can't fit the big rocks in at the top. For me, the big rocks are your relationship with God. What are you going to do with God? That's a massively important question in life. It's more important than your next mobile phone contract. It honestly is. It's more important than any of the small things that we should enjoy, but prioritise your relationship with God. And then your relationship with people who share your last name, your family. But also let me broaden that out to if you're a Christian, your Christian family. We are now part of a family. We've got to prioritise that. I would say to the younger me, one of the big rocks is your health. I wish I knew this years ago, or I wish I'd got hold of this years ago. Your physical health, your emotional health, your relational, your mental health. Prioritize, that's a big rock. And then finally, your calling and your reason for existence. You know, I think to me, this is something that as a, as a 17, 18 year old, God got a hold of me. And I think said, you're going to give your life to me. And I said, God, that's what I want to do. And as much as I struggled with enjoying the small things, that was one big rock that I think I put in my life back there. Why are you on this earth, ladies and gentlemen? Those of you watching or listening, why are you on this earth? Why are you here? You're not just here to suck up air. You're here for more than that. Rick Warren said, your life becomes great when you attach it to a great cause, great purpose and a great dream. I just wonder, because we're so consumed sometimes with the small things, are we drowning in the shallow end of life? rather than saying, God, there is more than what I'm just doing. So enjoy the small things, but prioritise the big. Second thing I'd say is take responsibility for yourself. Take responsibility for yourself and take responsibility for your actions. I don't know whether it's because I'm older, but I realise now I have fully participated in every decision I've ever made. Isn't that true? And when I look back over some of the decisions and some of the regrets, I realise I have been the chief and primary architect of those decisions and those regrets. At times, I denied, excused, pretended and evaded. Every time I did that, I got older but didn't get maturer. Because ageing is inevitable, but maturity is optional. So now I have covenanted with myself and with God to not lie to myself, even when the truth makes me feel bad about myself. Do you know one of the things in our culture is this. Our culture tells us that one of the worst things in life is to feel bad about yourself. Can I just tell you, that's not the worst thing in life. Nowhere near it. 
And if you excuse and evade and hide and pretend so that you don't feel bad about yourself, if that's who you've become, I want to encourage you, fire that person. Fire that person from your life and hire someone who will tell you the truth. Because only the truth sets you free, whatever it is. Whatever it is. Take responsibility for your actions. The third thing I'd say to the dear younger man, and I'm really careful how I want to say this. I don't want to offend you or upset any of you or alienate any of you. But this is such an important issue. And because we're so sensitive about it, we don't often speak enough about it. And so I want to say this. Whoever you are, wherever you come from, whatever your history is in this subject, I would say this. Choose your life partner really carefully. And I'm grateful to God that as a teenager, God brought Alison into my life because the most important decision that you'll ever make in your life is what are you going to do with Jesus? The second most important decision you'll ever make in your life is who are you going to spend your life with? Uh, And um, here's a photograph and some of you remember this. Uh, Three years ago, uh, about three weeks before the fire in the old building, Alison and myself, we were teaching and we did this uh, a series of Mr. Man and Mr. and Little Miss, something like that. And, and we looked at Mr. and Mrs. Stubborn and we talked about our marriage and our relationship and that. And we came together as teenagers. Um, we were very, well, one of us was very stubborn. She's not here. Bless her. No, 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 no I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. I, oh, can you cut that from the... Um, so we're both very stubborn and as teenagers we were very stubborn but we knew God had brought us together. In fact, we were going out around six years um, from a teenager to an early 20s and, and, I, and I still was like in my head like I'm way too young to get married, there's way too much stuff and blah, blah, blah. But I knew I really wanted to serve God and, and, and we were thinking about an opportunity. I was given an opportunity to go to South Africa um, and I was 21, I think 2021. 20, and um, uh, in my head, it was like, I'm going to do this and Alison, you'll come out and you're a nurse and you can earn the money and I'll do all the exciting stuff. And, and I remember, yeah, it's good. I was great. Uh, and I remember, um, I remember praying about it and saying, God, we've got to give a decision. And the only person, people that we spoke to were my parents. And I remember my dad saying to me, that's a golden opportunity. And we, and we prayed and we asked God to speak to a specific individual by the weekend about this issue. Now, I wouldn't counsel any of you to do this in terms of decision making, okay? This is what we did. And so the only thing ringing in my head was somebody, was my dad saying, that's a golden opportunity, son. Maybe you should go for it. And so we prayed to somebody to say, and we prayed to God and we said, would you speak to that person? He didn't know anything about it by the weekend. Thinking, not going to do it. So on the Friday, he came into my office where I was working and said, I need to talk to you. Took me outside. Basically said, I've been praying for you and Alison. And God said this, all that glitters is not gold. All that glitters is not gold. And he says this, you know you want to serve God. God has brought that woman into your life. You need to get married and get on with it. Six months later, we were married. Now, I wouldn't say that's the way to do it, but all I'm saying is that for us, 30 years later, next year we celebrate our 30th wedding anniversary, which is brilliant. But all I'd say is that that decision you make is vitally, vitally important. Now, for those of you that have been through relationship breakdowns and difficulties and all of that, my heart goes out to you. What I want to say is the next time you enter a relationship, choose really carefully because it really matters and it's going to change the shape and the future of your life. The Bible says in Proverbs 21 verse 9, it's better to live alone in the corner of an attic than with a quarrelsome wife in a lovely home. What that basically means is not about the quarrelsome wife, it's this, you're better to live on your own than with the wrong person. That's so, so 
important. And what we try to do here as a church, and we don't talk about this often enough, is that when you think about, hey, I might be getting, you know, me and this person, we might want to get married. What we suggest to you is before you set the wedding date, because once you set the wedding date, you're all about the wedding. We say, rather than being all about the wedding, how about being all about the marriage? So before you set the wedding date, come and talk to us and let us connect you to another couple who've been married longer and they will take you through some what we call pre-marriage preparation and they will enter into your life relationally, talk you through some stuff, help you, be there for you the other side of the wedding day and just invest into the marriage rather than being all about the wedding day. So if any of you are out there thinking about it, come and talk to us. We would love to invest. We care more about your marriage than you think. And we want to invest in that whole process. So that's the third thing. The fourth thing I want to say is this. I would say this to the younger me. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. Let's go to the Scriptures in 1 Peter chapter 4. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. I love the Bible. He's basically saying, he's talking to a group of first century Christians who are going through all kinds of horrendous situations. He's saying, don't be surprised when you go through all this stuff as if something strange were happening to you. I have been really surprised over the years, haven't you? I've been surprised at people. I've been surprised at life. I've been surprised by God. But, but the Bible says, don't be surprised if something strange happens to you. Instead, be very glad. For these trials make you partners with Christ in His suffering. So that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing His glory when it is revealed to all the world. When I was um, in America a few months ago, um, there was this guy speaking at an event I was at. Uh, and he was talking about what had happened to him. And he used this passage of Scripture, don't be surprised. And he told some stories about things that had happened in his life. And I sat there thinking, my goodness, I can't believe how many horrendous things have happened to you. But he said this, you know, sometimes, and as a Christian, you have all these different things happening to you. And then you try to work out, is this my fault? Is this God? Is this the devil? Anyone ever been there? And you work it, and you, is it this, is it that, is it that? And he said, and as I started doing all that, I thought to myself, does it matter? Does it really matter at one level? Actually, all of this stuff is going to happen to us. The Bible has said thousands of years ago, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. It doesn't really matter at one level where or why. Or, you can't work all that out. What really matters is your response. And what, what really matters is that what God says and does in the middle of those surprising, that shouldn't be surprising, but difficult trials. And I tweeted recently this that I'd been reading. You know, God has been with good people going through bad things for a very long time. God has been with good people going through very bad things for a very long time. So if this morning you are going through a very bad thing, you are not on your own. Don't be surprised. This is what life does. This is what can happen. This is what the enemy will do. This is what our mistakes will do. At one level, it doesn't matter where they come from. What really matters is that we know what God says and who God is in the middle of those trials. Christine Kane, who's an author and speaker, she says, whether we ever understand why or why not, the only way through any unexpected shock is through. The only way through any unexpected shock is through. And the fifth thing I'd say, and on the back of this one, don't be surprised, is I'd say this, he's got this. Whatever you're going through, I'd say to the younger me, he's got this. So when we were very young parents and we were 
Simeon was diagnosed with his life issues of special needs and disability. And we as young parents were told we will, he will never live an independent life and all of that. And as we went and sat in the car, in the car park and bawled our eyes out, I wish somehow into that space I could have heard these words, he's got this. God has got this. And there's a great passage of scripture in Isaiah 43. I am the Lord, your holy one, Israel's creator, your king. God's basically saying, listen, I'm the one speaking to you. These are my credentials. I'm your holy one. I'm your creator. I'm your king. I'm your Lord. Okay. So these are my credentials. Then he said, this is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty warriors. He's telling them the stories of the past. This is what I did when the children of Israel went through the Red Sea. When the Egyptians who were coming after them, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. So this is who I am. These are my credentials. This is what I've done. But then he said this, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And I want to say to the younger me, I want to say to me and Alison in the car, bawling our eyes out like babies, not sure how God's ever, whatever's going to happen in the future in our lives. I'd wish I could say, hey, he's got this. He's done it before and he will do it again. That's what those scriptures say. He's got this. He's done it before and he will do it again. And so for you this morning, for those of you listening or watching today, if you're going through a tough time, a fiery trial, something where you just don't know what's going to, you need to hear these words. He has got this. He's done it before. He will do it again. But now if you know, when you learn that, as you get older, you come to another situation. You need to learn it all over again. Isn't that true? And I do, and you do, and we do. And that's the beauty of encouraging one another in this way. So that's one of the things that I would say to the younger me. So those are the five things I'd say to the younger me at the moment. I'm sure tomorrow there could be some others. What are the two things that I want to say to you as we wrap up today? I want to say this. Are you learning from your past or are you living out the same old mistakes? The, the lyrics of the song, Dear younger me, where do I start? If I could tell you everything that I've learned so far, then you could be one step ahead of all the painful memories still running through my head. I wonder how much different things would be, dear younger me. I cannot decide, do I give some speech about how to get the most out of your life or do I go deep and try to change the choices that you'll make because they're choices that made me. A guy called James Joyce, who's the Irish playwright, author that many of you will have heard of, he said, a man's errors are his portals of discovery. A man's errors are his portals of discovery. If we learn from our mistakes not don't keep making the same old ones. When I was preparing for this, I was reminded of, a, of an illustration I used to use years ago when I first began preaching, but it's so old I've left it aside. But I really felt God say, bring it out again. Somebody needs to hear that today. And so here it is. This is called a story in five chapters. Chapter one, I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the pavement. I fall in. I'm lost. I'm helpless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find a way out. Chapter two, I walk down the same street, there's a deep hole in the pavement. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place, but it isn't my fault. Still takes me a long time to get out. Chapter three, I walk down the same street, there's a deep hole in the pavement. I see it's there. I still fall in. It's a habit. 
My eyes are open. I know where I am. It is my fault. I get out immediately. Chapter four, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the pavement. I walk around it. Chapter five, this is the game changer. I walk down a different street. I wonder how many of us today need to walk down a different street. Rather than keep trying to navigate and pretend and, and, and avoid, and why don't we just say, hey, I'm not going to walk down that. I'm going to learn and I'm going to walk down a different street. Second thing I'd say to you is, are you inhabiting the past or are you investing in the future? While we were on holiday, um, we, uh, I came off all social media and it was during the knockout stage of the World Cup. So didn't have any of that stuff that you guys loved all through that couple of weeks. Um, but we did watch the knockout games and um, uh, at, a, at a bar down the road with those big screens and hundreds of England fans who were on holiday. And it was great. But we went and watched the game and then came away and just left it all behind. It wasn't until I got back that I saw some of the stuff on social media about England and about Gareth Southgate. And I love this photograph. I just love this photograph. Because this is the next one. Photograph. Thank you. This is the old, the current Gareth Southgate consoling the younger Gareth Southgate. Because some of you remember in 96 or whenever it was that he missed that penalty. Do you know what I mean? Which cost the football team and the nation. And that picture of, and these words, listen, learn and grow. Isn't that great? See, God can speak through anything, you know. But are you inhabiting the past or are you investing in the future? What I love about what he's done, he's not just living in the past, but now he's investing into the future of other people. And in that Columbia game, when we actually got that penalty knockout, how amazing was that? And you see all that stuff of the past almost just got bang like that. And I think that's quite a prophetic thing because you and I can be chained to our past or we can be set free to our future, can't we? Are you inhabiting the past or are you investing in the future? The, the, script, the, the, the song says, uh, you were never meant to carry this beyond the cross. Dear younger me, you are holy, you are righteous, you are one of the redeemed. He said, oh, come on, no matter what you've done, don't be chained to the past, don't inhabit the past, invest in the future. And then I don't know where I found this from, but I think this is so powerful. It says this, I can guarantee you this. If the way we invest in the people around us improves, it won't be long before we start changing the world one relationship at a time. One relationship at a time. And I want to say to you young guys, you know, you can start doing that now. You can look out for other people that you can invest into. But those of you who are not so young, and if you don't know whether you're old or young, you're old. All right, let me just work that out, okay? If you're even having the conversation in your head, you're old. Uh, so you look around you. There are so many people that you can invest in. But as we invest in, we've got to be growing ourselves as well. So what, as we finish, what can we do with this message this morning? Aging is inevitable, but maturity is optional. And I wanted to think about some application for you. What can you do with this? And so I came up with three things I want to throw out there. The first thing is a bit radical and not many of you are going to do it because you're not big enough, okay, for it. So let me try that approach. But here's the first thing. I want to encourage you to write a letter to your younger self. Andy did this at Staff Devotions a few months ago. It was so difficult and so profound. We picked an, an age, you just pick your own age, whether it's 14, 16, 20, 21, 6, whatever. Write a letter to yourself. And what you've learned now, what would you say to that younger you? 
you'll find it's incredibly enriching, challenging, but also thought-provoking as well. So I want to encourage you, maybe over the summer, to do that as an activity. But secondly, look around for younger people to invest in. A few weeks ago, I um, was invited to go to youth to cruise on a Wednesday night. And one of the crews that I was invited to go to was the revision crew. And these guys of about 16, 17, 18, I guess, were in revision crew. And it was kind of the end of the, 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 the run, I think. And they were just, they had some pizza together. And then they were asking me questions. And they wanted to know what I would say to the younger version of me, which was timely as I was preparing this message. And so I gave them all this kind of stuff. But you know, the wisest thing that was said in that room was certainly not said by me. It was said by one of the guys, one of the young guys. And he said this, he said, I guess as we grow older, we should be the people we needed when we were younger. I thought, wow. And I wrote that down. I thought, I guess as we get older, we should be the people that we needed when we were younger. Listen, let's not hang about Why don't we be those people now? Why don't we be those people for others that we needed when we were younger? And I'm grateful I had people when I was younger. Maybe you didn't. And instead of whining about that, maybe it's time to be that for somebody else, even if you didn't have it for yourself. But if you did have it and you know the joy of that, don't hold on to it. Invest in other people. Find a younger you. Find a younger person in the faith or in, you know, in, 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 you know, chronologically. But find somebody that you can invest in. So write a letter, look around. And then thirdly, live now and live well. Don't be chained to the past. Inhabit and live in the future. Let me say it again, what Rick Warren said. Your life becomes great when you attach it to a great cause, great purpose and a great dream. Let's pray together. Let's pray. Just take a moment. In a moment, we're going to take communion together and worship and finish our time together. But just just take a moment now, if you can, maybe ignore the person next to you for a moment. Just think about what God might be saying to you. Whether you're here in the room today, whether you're listening, whether you're watching it on YouTube, what could God be saying to you now? Maybe you look back over your shoulder. Maybe there's some streets you've walked down. Maybe it's time to walk down a different street. Maybe for some of you, you know that you've been making the same mistakes time and time again and you've grown older, but maybe not mature in that area. Or maybe you're facing something really difficult and it surprised you and shocked you and and you don't know where to go. Maybe you need to hear these words. He's got this. He's done it before. He will do it again. And as you hear those words today, start thinking about those around you that you can invest in, that you can look out for. And then accept the challenge to keep growing and to keep living and to keep inhabiting, not the past, but the future, the present and the future. And as God propels us forward by His Spirit, may we be the people who don't just get old, but who grow mature. Mature with a a childlike faith, but not a childish experience. We have that kind of Caleb spirit who at 80, 85 said, give me another mountain to climb. That's maturity, growing old, but growing mature, having a spirit that is adventurous, that's healthy, that's positive, that's growing and that's pouring into the lives of other people. God, I pray that you give us that kind of spirit. 
Give us that kind of maturity in Jesus' name. Amen.